discipleship number 29? No, it's recording. Yeah, amen. Amen. Come this way a little bit. Praise God. About right there? Okay. Amen. All right. We are uh, getting all this uh, ready to go here. So uh, tonight is discipleship class number 29, and um, uh, I know that some of you were a part of discipleship class before it was interrupted with uh, the quarantine and social distancing and all that stuff. Uh, others have uh, taken it in the past, and for some of you, all this is, is brand new. So um, I'm excited about the things we're going to be looking into tonight. So just by way of quick review, um, the Bible teaches that, that a three-yet-one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created you a three-yet-one being. Uh, and the three that are you, spirit, soul, and body is what the Bible teaches us. And I like to remind you that the spirit is the real you. That spirit, the deepest part of you, uh, your spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that will live forever. Uh, if you're not born again, it's the part of you that will die forever somewhere. Then we have this part of us the Bible calls your soul. It's not the same as your spirit. It's different from your spirit. Your soul is a part of you that thinks and feels and chooses. Are you mind, emotions, and will? And then all that's contained within a physical body, also known as your flesh, your outward man. It's where we find our five senses, okay? And so these words here are just simply Greek words that distinguish in the, in the, you know, in the original language the difference between pneuma, suche, and soma. This arrow, as we said, uh, communicates a few things. Number one, it communicates connection. Um, and so uh, a born-again man's spirit is connected with God's spirit. The word written here is zoe, that's speaking of the life and nature of God. And it's also uh, denoting direction, so connection and direction, in the sense that the life and nature of God flows from God through a spiritual connection with you. Amen. You're born again spirit, God's spirit become connected together. And then that life flows into your spirit, and the plan of God is for it to flow from your spirit through your soul into your outward man, into your life. Now, um, last week we uh, began to talk a little bit about the new birth and salvation. Let's turn to John chapter 3, and we'll look now just at verses 5 and 6. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And what we see there, Jesus having a conversation with Nicodemus, it says, Jesus answered, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So again, let's put our drawing back up, and let's, let's consider it, uh, this verse, you know, in light of what we're learning about spirit, soul, and body. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born a second time. This confused Nicodemus. He was a very brilliant man, by the way, very intelligent man. But it confused him. And if you remember, he asked Jesus, he said, how can a man when he's old go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Now, Nicodemus was making a classic mistake. It's a mistake a lot of people make. And that mistake is he was looking at everything from the perspective of the flesh, everything from the perspective of the physical. Father doesn't look, God doesn't look at everything uh, spirit first, he looks at, er I'm sorry, at everything flesh first, like man, most of mankind does, he looks at everything spirit first. So when Jesus says you must be born again, he was not talking about being born a second time physically, he was talking about being born a second time spiritually. And so this is what he's explaining to Nicodemus in these verses. He says you must be born of water, that's speaking of our physical birth, and the spirit. And unless you're born that second time, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this is, 
This is what it means to be saved, to, to be born again, to receive salvation. And, and those are uh, you know, two different terminologies. We, you know, sometimes I use the phrase the new birth. And again, talking about being born again. And then we talk often about salvation, being saved, receiving salvation. And, and while the terminology is different, um, through the course of our study over the next couple of weeks, we're going to understand what one has to do with the other. And, and, and how we receive salvation through the new birth. Okay? So if, you, if you've been saved, amen, then you have been born again. If you've been born again, you have been saved. So we're going to learn more about, uh, in, in the days ahead, what those two have to do with one another. Now, let's go back again. Just I'm trying to be quick on the review tonight. But we said that sin brought death and chaos to the triune man. So we know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work in perfect unison, perfect harmony, uh, perfect fellowship with one another. Uh, there's no power uh, uh, struggle there. Um, there's, there is submission, and each one doing what each one does uh, to, to the glorification of the other two. And this is how Adam and Eve functioned before they sinned. Uh, and so what, what we call uh, normal now is not what God intended for us. And, and so when we talk about this power struggle, uh, we see that, that you know, your, your feelings, your emotions were never meant to rule you. Your flesh was never meant to rule you. Uh, but sin is what's brought this power struggle primarily between the spirit and the flesh where they're pulling in opposite directions and more on uh, that later. So, as we begin to unravel what this means to be saved, um, again, using our drawing, um, if you ask most people, uh, what were you saved from? To be saved, simply defined, means to be rescued. Um, so, you know, if someone fell overboard in a boat um, and, and somebody rescued them, we could say that they were saved. And, and in this case, they were saved from the water or, or potentially saved from drowning, Okay. So when Jesus came to rescue us, and when He came to save us, what did He save us from? Now, there's lots of right answers to that question. Um, most people, I think, would answer the question by saying, He saved us from our sin. And, and you would be right if you said that, but, but it's more than that. And, and, and this is why, again, uh, I say this a lot. Uh, many, many people on planet Earth have been saved, but they have no idea what they've been saved from completely. Uh, they've been born again, but they have no idea what really happened through that experience. And so that's why I'm so excited about explaining these things from the Word of God to you. Um, again, we're going to dig into it tonight, but it's going to take us more than one uh, time together on this subject uh, to, to cover it. So again, let's go back to it. Saved from what? Well, if you were pulled out of the water, you were saved from the water, you were saved from potentially drowning. We were saved from our sin, that would, that would be accurate. But remember, sin brings death. So Jesus saved us from death. We also see that sin brings a curse. And that curse includes poverty and sickness and disease and, and confusion and, and all kinds of things. Right? So we've been saved from that. And so all, all of that, again, would be uh, very accurate. Um, we also see, though, that, that our, our sin... Uh, affected us uh, mentally. The Bible says sin darkens the understanding. Um, we see that sin and, and our, uh, affected us emotionally. 
right? The first thing that Adam and Eve experienced when they sinned was fear. Uh, they became very afraid. And, and of course, uh, negative emotions uh, at that point in human history uh, began to dominate many people. Jesus came to save us from that. He came to save us from wrong thinking, from bad thinking, from the emotions that those wrong thoughts uh, produce, right? And certainly, you know, we've all made some poor choices. And Jesus came to, again, save us from that, right? But, but listen to me, please. Um, I'm wanting to drill so deep down into this that we come to the bottom of it. And, and so this is why I say to fully understand your salvation, you have to understand uh, this title. And that t- the title is Saved from the Corrupted Seed of Adam. Okay? Now I know that you know, to a lot of folks it's like, what in the world is he talking about there? Well, again, uh, let's, let's, let's look at this, let's dig into this. Um, but when we talk about being saved from the corrupted seed of Adam, let me, let me just, uh, in, in way of preview, because we're going to uh, you know, build on this and, and, and explain this in greater detail, um, we've talked already about our sin and how, it, how sin affected us physically. We've talked about how sin affected us mentally, emotionally, and the poor choices. Certainly Jesus came to save us and rescue us from that. But what about sin's effect on our spirit? Remember, sin separated us from God, and, and separation means death. Uh, there's spiritual death, that's when your spirit separates from God's spirit. Then there's physical death, and that's when your spirit and soul separate from your body. And so we were spiritually dead. Now a lot of times when we hear spiritually dead, our, our, our minds tend to go to this concept of, of like spiritually non-existent. Spiritually dead doesn't mean you didn't have a spirit. Certainly the Old Testament talks about uh, our human spirit. Okay, it, it's, Think of it this way. Um, if your cell phone battery uh, uh, you know, depletes itself, okay? we say my phone went dead. Right? Uh, not that the phone evaporated and, and disappeared in, into you know, the, the ether or whatever, um, but, but it went dead in the sense that it lost its connection, it lost its power. Uh, you can still have charge on your battery, but be so far from a tower that your phone is dead. Uh, it, still has, it still has electricity, you know, a battery power to it, but it's lost its connection, right? So we lost our connection with God, and our spirits went dead, right? And so if we're going to be saved because this is the real you, salvation has to not only affect this, it has to begin here. So this is why Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man go back in his mother's womb and be born a second time? Because he's trying to understand this by looking at everything from a physical perspective. Jesus says, you must be born of water and you must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, all right? but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus came... Now, again, we're, we're building on something here. The statement is, we've been saved from the corrupted seed of Adam. Right? Um, what we're going to see as we begin to unravel this is that when we were born of our earthly parents, um, we were born of earthly parents who were born of earthly parents who were born of earthly parents who were born of earthly parents, and you trace it all the way back to our original parents, which were Adam and Eve. And we see that when they sinned, they became spiritually dead. And, and the Bible teaches that every person born from their seed, from Adam and Eve's sin, 
also were born spiritually dead. Now, before you start saying that don't sound right, or that sounds unfair, uh, just again, stay with me. There's a lot here that we need to understand. And, and so listen to me please. My commitment to you tonight is to not give you denominational perspectives on these things. I'm not here to tell you what a certain denomination believes about these things. And I know that we have people from a lot of different denominations that are watching. And welcome, thank you, you honor me. I'm only interested in the truth. And the truth, Jesus says, is in the Word of God. And so if some of this sounds a bit foreign to you, again, I'm asking you to have an open heart, open mind, let the Holy Spirit show you. Um, the Bible says, you know, I present, you judge. And so, again, you be the judge, but just make sure you use the same scrutiny on your beliefs as you use on mine. Amen? Uh, because what we are ultimately looking for here is what does the Word say about these things? Amen? And so, amen, let's, let's do this. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, verse number 17. We'll begin at verse number 17. Now, I'm going to be putting these up on the screen behind me in a couple, a couple of verses at a, at the time. First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse number 17. It says this, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And he's not talking about, uh, uh, you know, like intimidation or the kind of fear that has torment. He's talking about the right kind of heart and respect and attitude towards God. And notice he's talking about the time of our stay here. Stay where? Our, our stay here on the earth. Um, the one thing that, that funerals remind me of is that our lives... Uh, are, are much more than the time we spend here on this earth. I like to remind you that Father God has more than a hundred year plan for your life. Um, Brother Fred was 86 years old. Um, he has lived uh, on this earth the first 86 years of God's eternal plan for his life. Okay, And so the Word of God, the Holy Spirit through Peter is encouraging us um, to make the most, if you will, of our time here on this earth. But notice what he says here. Knowing that, so keeping in mind, we need to live our lives with this understanding, with this awareness, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Right. So he's speaking to, Peter is speaking to people who have been Born again. And this word redeemed is a salvation word. We'll explain it in greater detail later, but it simply means to be purchased. And we know that we have been purchased. And we were purchased not with silver and gold, not with land or livestock, but we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. Okay? And notice he says we were purchased from our aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers. Now let's keep going. Verse 19. But, again, it's playing on verse 18. You were not redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So let's stop here for just a moment. Remember, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means, and you talk about the amazing love of God, uh, this verse perhaps communicates the love of God 
you know, in a way that no other verses do. Before Father God ever created Adam, knowing that Adam would sin and give birth uh, to those uh, you know, who would sin after him, he, Jesus had already agreed to come and die for us. Uh, the plan of salvation was not plan B. It was the plan from the beginning. And, and so, again, he was foreordained. In other words, it was, it was decided beforehand, uh, before the foundation of the world, uh, and yet it took all those generations for Jesus to come manifest in these last times for you. Okay, Let's keep going. Who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Okay, Next verse, let's go to verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Verse 23, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Right? Now, this is a very important, very important passage. We mentioned last week that in the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus, I believe it's one of the most important conversations that has ever taken place on planet earth, and I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to record that conversation. Because in that conversation, Jesus explains so many things that we don't find really anywhere else the way we find them in the Word of God, but right there. And He's explaining that we have to be born a second time. And although we've been born physically, in order to enter the kingdom of God, become a child of God, become a citizen of Father's kingdom, we have to be born a second time of the Spirit. We have to be born spiritually. Now, the Holy Spirit, this time through the Apostle Peter, is giving us some more insight into this. He says to, again, born-again believers, he's explaining these things to them. He says, we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Now, this is one of the most important things that you'll hear me say tonight uh, other than something straight out of the Word of God. Okay, so, so I want you, if you're taking notes, I, wa- I want you to write this down, okay, because it's, it's, it's an area that the enemy exploits in many people's lives. Um, and, and, and because of ignorance, because of, ignorance means not knowing, I'm not trying to offend you. Uh, or because of a lack of, of confidence or faith or trust in these things, okay? And so please hear me. The new birth is a literal experience, okay? Um, what I mean by that, when I say literal experience, I mean you have literally, if you've been born again, if you've received salvation, it is a literal experience. You literally were born a second time. Literally as opposed to figuratively. Now, what do we mean by figuratively? Um, a, a lot of people uh, hear about the new birth and, and, and they think of it as like what being, being like a metaphor. You know, uh, man, something happened to me when I went down there and prayed that prayer and it's like I've been born again. No, it's not like you've been born again. You have been born again, okay? I think some people look at the new birth in the same way that they look at turning over a new leaf. You know, it's like, 
It's like, well, we turned over a new leaf. You know, I, I decided to go straight. You know, I decided to, 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 to try to do better and live better and be better. No, no, listen, we, we can't do better, live better, be better um, unless the Lord makes us better, unless we become better, unless we become righteous, we can never live righteously. Right? So again, the new birth is a literal experience. If you have been born again, you were literally born a second time. Now, when we talk about being born, we know that when we were born physically, there was an egg and a seed involved. Okay? Um, we were born of seed. Um, I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, but I'm going to take a little bit of a detour and, and try to help you understand what the Bible teaches us about the power of a seed. Okay? Um, really, <laughs> just think about an oak tree coming out of an acorn. Okay? All right? Uh, amen. That's the power of a seed. All right? Now, in order for you and me to be born a second time, if it's a literal experience, now if it's just a figurative experience, none of this matters. But in order for it to be a literal experience, there has to be seed involved. Okay? And this is what he's explaining to us here in 1 Peter 1 and 23. We've been born again, but not born a second time of the same corrupted seed we were born the first time from. Amen. We have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but we've been born a second time of incorruptible seed. And he goes on to explain, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Okay? Now, an incorruptible seed, I want you to think about this for a moment, I don't get too heavy, too fast on you tonight, okay? But if something is incorruptible, this means it is not capable of being corrupted. Right? Um, <laughs> when uh, my grandfathers and then my dad, uh, I remember planting hills of squash. Okay? Hills uh, of squash. You, you don't plant squash in a, in a, in a, in a furrow. You, you mound up dirt and in the top of the mound you plant the squash. And um, I noticed that in each of those hills, they would put at least three seeds. And then once the seed sprouted, they would come back and take out the two smallest plants and leave the one that looked the strongest, the biggest, the healthiest. And it always confused me, and why are we doing this and then coming back and pulling them out? Well, the way it was explained to me is that sometimes uh, physical seed, uh, are, they're a dud. Um, it, it, in other words, you, you don't want to go to all that trouble to, to plant the, the squash, and if you just put one seed in there and that seed is corrupted and, and, and doesn't produce, well, you've lost that hill of squash. And so you put the three seeds in there to make sure you get one that is good. Right Now, when it comes to the Word of God, we see that the Word of God... Remember, Jesus taught us this. He says it's the most important parable that He ever delivered. And if we didn't understand that parable, 
how will we understand all the others? And he talked about a farmer planting seed, and he went on to explain that the seed that was being planted was the Word of God. So the Word of God is seed. Amen. It is seed. Remember, Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. Now, let's go back because I know some of you weren't here when we covered all this, but remember, Jesus was born of a virgin. That's really important because He didn't receive His blood from uh, Mary's soon-to-be husband, Joseph. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, overshadowed her and impregnated her with the seed from which Jesus was born, physically born. Okay? Now, we, we broke all of this down in, in earlier classes. Um, you, you, can, you can go back and watch those. But one of the things that we see in all of this is just how much God created us like Himself. The Bible says we're created in His image and in His likeness. Image and likeness means we look like He looks and we function like He functions. And there's a scale called uh, taxonomy or the taxonomical scale. And, and taxonomy classifies all living things. You have the plant kingdom, you have the, the animal kingdom. And the things that are most similar to one another are things that are of the same species. And are you ready for this? Things that are of the same species are able to bear one another's young. So, I'm offering to you tonight that you are of the same species as God Himself because we see that God was able to impregnate one of us and she was able to, to carry God and give birth to Jesus on this planet. Alright? Now, what was the seed the Holy Spirit put in the womb of the Virgin Mary? It was the Word of God. Because we see Jesus... You say, how do you know that, Pastor Mark? Because the Bible says He was the Word made flesh. There's, it would be impossible for Him to be anything as outside of the womb that He was not inside the womb. In other words, he was, if He was the Word made flesh outside of the womb, He was the Word made flesh inside of the womb. Amen. I'm not, just pray about that. Think on that. Okay? Amen. So we see that Jesus was born of this incorruptible seed. Amen. The Word of God. Notice that it lives and abides forever. Now, again, praise God, if this is the seed, and it is, that you and I have been born a second time from, then this means your spirit, remember it wasn't your flesh, let's go back to it for a moment, um, it wasn't your flesh that was born again. And it wasn't your soul that was born again. It was your spirit that was born a second time. What's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. And so your spirit has been born a second time of a seed that is not capable of being corrupted, that lives and abides forever. This is why Brother Fred is more alive tonight than he ever was on planet earth. It's because years ago, he received for himself what Jesus did on his behalf. He was born a second time of an incorruptible seed. And because that seed is not capable of being corrupted, but instead produces fruit that lives and abides forever. Amen. Brother Fred is living and abiding forever on the other side now. Praise God. This is what Jesus meant when He said, if you believe in Me, you'll never die. He wasn't talking about our flesh. He was talking about believing on Him, being born a second time, and this part of you will never die because it's born of a seed that cannot die. Oh, I get excited about this now. Alright. So, let's go back to it. 
having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, which lives and abides forever. You could say of the seed that you've been born this second time, born again, I'm talking about your spirit now. Amen? I'm talking about your spirit. People sometimes they, they say, you know, Pastor Martin, the Bible you know, clearly says that if we live after the flesh, we'll die. Yeah, die physically. Die physically. The Bible talks about it. We've covered this. There's different kinds of death. There's physical death. There's spiritual death. Your spirit has been born a second time from a seed that cannot die. Amen. You have received the nature of God. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself now, but I'm just so excited about this, trying to hold myself back. You've received a new nature through the new birth. All right, but let, amen. Well, praise God. Let me, let me stay focused here. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. All right? One, one translation says that you receive through the new birth an indestructible heredity. I like that. An indestructible heredity. Heredity. Let me, let me see if I can uh, pull a verse up that we've looked at already, but let's pull it up again. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 9. 1 John 3 and 9, are you ready? It says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his, capital H, God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. Alright? Now, let me go back to it. Praise God. I'm going to go back to our drawing. John says in 1 John, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. And then he says, one chapter later, if you've been born of God, you cannot sin. You do not sin because you cannot sin, and you cannot sin because God's seed abides in you. Alright? So again, you'll never understand this if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body. Watch me now. If you say you never sin, notice I pointed to the flesh, the body. If you say you never sin, you, you're not being honest. And, and this is why you have to humble yourself and confess your sin. Um, because remember, it's prideful to just to keep saying, well, you know, people say, well, if what you're telling me is true, Pastor Mark, it's going to live however I want to live. Well, that's pride. It's going to get you, uh, it's going to end your life early. Uh, and it's, and it's going to uh, cause God to resist you, and you're going to miss out on the grace that He has for your life. But amen, that was more on that later. But again, if you say you have no sin, the truth's not in you. He who's born of God, who's, of these three, which one's been born a second time? This right here, your spirit's been born of God. This is where, because you were born of an incorruptible seed, not capable of being corrupted, by the way, this is the part the evil one cannot touch. See, people get so confused by this because the Bible says, you know, that, that the evil one cannot touch you. And so they think when they're going through things in their flesh that this can't be the devil, it must be God because the evil one can't touch me. So this must be God, you know, hurting me or giving me cancer or making me sick or whatever. No, 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 no. This is the part that the evil one cannot touch. Clearly, the Bible says the enemy puts thoughts in your mind. The, e the enemy can touch your mind if you allow him. Amen? And the enemy will buffet your flesh if you allow him. Amen? But this part right here, it's born of a seed that, that is indestructible. It's born of a seed that's, that's incapable of being corrupted. What corrupted mankind 
in the first place. Sin is what corrupted us. Now that we've been born of an incorruptible seed, a seed that's not capable of being corrupted, this means your spirit cannot be corrupted because God's seed abides in your spirit. Not only do you not sin, you can't sin. That's just straight up good news right there. Praise God. All right. Cannot sin. Why? Because he's been born again. I was looking back for the drawing. Remember that spirit guy right here? That's the part of you that has been born again. Now, let's, um, thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's do this for a minute, okay? Um, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Don't want to hurt your mom and daddy's feelings, all right? But the reality of it from the Word of God is this. We were all born of corrupted seed, okay? Every single one of us were born from corrupted seed. If you have received salvation, you have been born again from an incorruptible seed. And the Bible says that incorruptible seed now lives forever. Right? Okay, let's do this. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 2. Amen. I believe in Jesus' name that you're getting something out of this tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Ephesians chapter 2. This is, I mentioned this a moment ago. I mentioned this a moment ago, but let me, let me bring it back up now. All right? If you're taking notes, write these three words down. Seed determines nature. Okay? And I don't mean mother nature. I'm talking about the nature of a thing. The nature of a thing is determined by the seed that produces it. Okay? The nature of a thing is determined by the seed that produces it. Okay? Corn is not the same as lima beans right if you want lima beans you, you need to plant some lima beans amen you need to plant those seed because seed reproduce after their kind and there is a by the way some of you know lima beans is one of my favorite beans pam cooked me some last night amen and they have a distinct taste a distinct shape i like the baby baby limas the green ones okay a distinct color right okay well Notice the nature, what a lima bean intrinsically is. It's determined by the seed that produces it. If you want lima beans, you've got you to get that from a lima bean seed. And if you want corn, again, it's completely different color, texture, taste, way it grows, all of that. Okay? So seed determines nature. Because we were born the first time of a corrupted seed, we were born with a corrupted nature. Now that we've been born a second time of an incorruptible seed, we have been given an incorruptible, or let's just say it this way, a new nature. All right, let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Alright, there's a few things that are heavily emphasized here. Um, And I want to point it out to you, okay? First thing is that this includes everybody without exception, okay? Of course, the only exception is Jesus, but remember, He wasn't born of the corrupted seed, right? So every human being that's ever lived on planet Earth, with the exception of Jesus, is included in this, okay? Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter, rich, poor, everybody, okay? Um, he says that we all walked according to the court. Let me go back up to verse 2. Next thing that's heavily emphasized here is the concept of offspring. Okay, and th- th- again, this is extremely important. Right? He says, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's speaking of, of the enemy and him trying to control this earth by controlling the first heaven and the lower atmosphere. But notice it says that's the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is, again, pay, pay close attention here. He didn't just say that we were disobedient. And I'm not saying that we haven't all been disobedient. We have been. But that's not what the Scriptures are emphasizing here. The Scriptures are emphasizing not that you are disobedient, but that you are the offspring of disobedience. You are a son or a daughter of disobedience. Okay? Alright? And then he goes on to say, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. He's talking about our conduct, how we live, what we did. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now that word wrath there literally means damnation. It means, it, 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 it means eternal punishment. But notice again, I'm not saying that we haven't done things in our lives, committed sin in our lives, that, that call for us to be punished. But that's not what he's emphasizing here. He's saying not that we are um, you know, disobedient, but sons of disobedience. And not that we are uh, you know, receiving wrath, but that we are children of it. We were born of it. Okay? And we were born of it just like every other. Just as the others, of course, with Jesus being the exception. Right? Now, I want to take our drawing again. This, I'm going to change it up a little bit, right? But I want to go back through, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3, okay? Among whom we also all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Clearly, he's talking about our behavior, and he's talking about the, the issue, uh, uh, you know, the problem that we had uh, in, in our body or our flesh. Okay, let's keep going. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. Okay, that's the soul, right? That's where the, this isn't the mind. This isn't the mind. This is the mind. Right? And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Nature is talking about the part of you that is spirit. Remember, this is the real you. Okay? 
This is the real you. If this is the real you, then this is your true nature. Right? You see, the problem that we needed rescuing from went all the way to the seed level of our existence. It wasn't enough for Jesus to help us do better, have better behavior. Nor would it have been enough for Him to help us have better thinking. If all Jesus came to do was change our behavior, modify our behavior, and help us think better, okay, and left this part undone, we're still the offspring of wrath and doomed for eternal punishment. Right? But He came to change our nature. But you can't change the nature of a thing unless you change the seed that produces it. Seed determines nature. So if you're going to change nature, you've got to change the seed that produces that nature. If you want lima beans, you better plant lima beans. You plant corrupted seed, you're going to get corrupted fruit. If you want indestructible, uh, incorruptible fruit, you've got to grow it with an indestructible, incorruptible seed. This is exactly what our Father has done for each of us. Right? So again, let me put this on here. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. That's talking about your body. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh, again the body, and of the mind. That's talking about your soul. And were by nature, that's your spirit, children of wrath, just like everybody else that was born after Adam, again, with the one exception being Jesus. Okay? So, I know I've already said this, but let me say it again. The nature of a thing is determined by the seed that produced it. The only way to change the nature of a thing is change the seed that produced it. Okay? Now, let's go, and I know I'm about out of time, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. So, we looked at 1 Peter, right? And you understand 1 Peter comes before and was written before 2 Peter. So, keeping in mind what we've already learned from 1 Peter... Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Really, all these verses around it are awesome, but I want to focus in on this one right here. He says this, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. It's just a beautiful, poetic way of saying the Word of God. The Word of God is the exceeding great and precious promises. That through these, through these exceeding great and precious promises, through the Word of God, you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we've been, we've been saved, escaped it. We, we, how did we escape? We didn't escape because we were you know, so uh, uh, creative. We, we didn't escape it because you know, we, we just thought on our feet and, and took a shortcut and found a way. No, no. The only way we escaped is because of what Jesus did for us. We've been saved. We've been rescued. Right? But notice he says that through these exceeding great and precious promises, through the Word of God, through this seed that is incapable of being corrupted, we have what? Become partakers of the divine nature. Now that word partaker means to have an equal share in. To have an equal share in. Right? So, if I plant lima beans, every lima bean that's produced from that one seed is going to have the same nature as the lima bean that produced it. Seeds reproduce after their own kind. Amen. Praise God. So we're getting somewhere now. Right? So our spirits have been born again of an incorruptible seed. It's been, it's been reproduced after its own kind. So notice now, 
as a born-again believer, you were once by nature a child of wrath, the offspring of eternal damnation. You were children born from disobedience. Okay, Now, having been born a second time of an incorruptible seed, we have an equal share in the divine nature because we've been born of God. His seed produces His nature. We've been born of Him. Now we have what? Become a partaker of His nature. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. I keep looking at that little clock at the top of my iPad, and it's after 8 o'clock. Amen. Let me... Um, this, keeps, this keeps stirring in me. And, and I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to turn anybody off. But let's, let's just go back here, all right? If, if what I'm telling you is correct, and it is, right? Then nature, thinking, behavior, all right? This is not your nature. I tell you all the time, and I'm going to say it again, your behavior will always line up with your thinking, always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself, even if what you believe to be true about yourself isn't true. Right? What does that mean? When you were born again, you became righteous. You took on the nature of righteousness because the nature of God is righteousness. The nature of God is love. The nature of God is generosity. Right? So you became a partaker of His divine nature. But if you still think like a stingy, selfish man, you're still going to behave like a stingy, selfish man, although you've got the nature of a generous, giving man. Your, your nature now is righteousness. But if you still think like a sinful man, okay, you're going to still live like a sinful man, even though you're no longer a sinful man. Are you seeing this, right? Your nature is, is, is one of holiness and righteousness. Your, your mind, though, remember, this part is complete. This part is a work in progress. This part will not be completed until it's exchanged for a glorified body. Have been saved, are being saved, will be saved. Amen. Okay? Now, people who know me and have heard me teach these things for years, you know that this is one of the things that gets Pastor Mark really stirred up. If you've ever said it, just ask the Lord to forgive you right now, and ask Him to help you never say it again. What am I talking about? Never say again, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Okay? It's not who you are. I was once a sinner. I have now been saved by grace. And I have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants you to continue to ride that fence between your behavior and your true identity. Remember, this is the real you. If this is the real you, and this part of you has been born a second time of an incorruptible seed, then you have become a partaker of the divine nature of God. One last thing. And I know this especially, you know, really religious, traditionally minded folks. I've had folks so upset with me. I had, I had a young man come across the table at me one day, and I was just sitting there just teaching these things. It got him so fired up. And I'm not trying to fire you up, okay? But listen to me, please. This idea 
that we have two natures in us fighting one another is ridiculous. It is one of the biggest lies the enemy has ever sold to the body of Christ. And I can't believe so many people buy it. But again, because they don't understand spirit, soul, and body, somebody says, well, you know, that's just my old nature. My friend, your old nature is that old spirit that used to live inside of you that was born of corrupted seed that was buried in an unmarked grave with Jesus. When you were born again, you became a new creation. Old things passed away. Old things dead and buried and gone forever. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. You became a partaker of the divine nature of God. You do not have two natures. You have one nature if you've been born again. You have one nature if you haven't been born again. If you haven't been born again, you have the nature of damnation. You have the nature of, of a child of disobedience. But if you've been, that's why sin came so easily for us back in those days. Now that we're born again, I'm not saying we can't still sin here, but my, how miserable we are when we're trying to do it. Right? It's because you have a new nature in you, and, and it, sin doesn't look good on you anymore. Right? But now, listen to me though. Let's get this lie out of our minds that we have two natures. You say, well, Pastor Mark, it sure does feel like I have two natures. It sure does seem like I have two natures. It sure does look like I have two natures. Yeah, notice what you're saying. Looking, seeming, feeling like. Let me tell you why it looks like, seems like, and feels like you have two natures. Your old man left an imprint on your soul. The reason it seems like, feels like you have two natures is because the old nature has, such, has had such an influence on the way you think, it still has an influence on the way you behave. But he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. So we talk about, and Paul talked about crucifying our flesh, right? This part of us that, that again, uh, you know, find something that feels good and do it till it dies. You know, I mean, it's not enough donuts, not enough pornography, not enough money, not enough drugs and alcohol in the world to satisfy the appetites of your flesh, right? But that's not your nature. If you get your thinking lined up with your new nature, then your behavior will follow suit. Praise God. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord. But you need to be careful here because when you start saying that you've got two natures, what you're really saying is that what Jesus did for you at salvation wasn't enough. Amen. If He died so that your old man could die with Him and you could be raised up together with Him to newness of life, then we're talking about a real... A gaping hole in what he provided for you and we know there's no gaping holes there amen all right let me pray for you father thank you for the men and women that are that are watching by you know, live recording online right now others that'll be joining us later hundreds father we're we're proclaiming hundreds and hundreds of people will watch this lord that it'll be shared hundreds of times lord that that people will hear it and, and finally begin to understand lord what is true about them now that they become a new creation in christ jesus thank you for your love Thank you, Father, that our technology worked flawlessly tonight. Thank you, Father, for anointing the words and notes that were sung and played and the words that have been spoken. And Father, I thank you that your people are being blessed, your people are being fed, your people are strong. And Father, I thank you that you are not only protecting us during this time, but that we are thriving. We're not surviving coronavirus. We are thriving, Lord, during this very unique season of our existence here on this earth. And I thank you, Father, that when we are all back together again. 
we're going to be stronger and, and more prosperous than we were before all this started. And we agree together on these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. And we will see you Sunday morning, resurrection morning, to celebrate Easter together online. Amen.